0: Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Good morning, everyone. A very, very happy new year to all of you uh, across all the congregations and anybody else connected into Kingdom Faith that is uh, connecting in this morning as part of our kind of vision Sunday, our launch into twenty. 24, I trust you've had a good Christmas, had some time to relax, chill out, uh, take a breath, take a pause uh, and you're ready for all that's going to be happening during this year and that God has in store for us as a people, but also for us each individually in our in our lives. And uh, this, this first Sunday, the, the kind of first message of the year is not so much a teaching on something. Uh, it's much more of like a roadmap map uh, for the kind of direction of travel that we believe as a leadership that God wants to take us uh, as a church. And, and as you know, God always builds on what he's doing. He doesn't change his mind from one year to the next and say, "We'll do this this year and do that next year. He always builds. He's, he's leading us. He's moving us forward in his unfolding purposes. Uh, and... There's a twofold purpose to this kind of message. Uh, Firstly, uh, for this year, so that we really know what is it that we are believing to see happen. So when God speaks, He releases faith so that we know what it is we're looking for, what we're seeking to see happen during this year. Uh, And then the second one is the practical outworking of it. What is my part? What is each of our part in what God is saying? So what are we believing for? And then what is my part? That's really the twofold outworking uh, of really any message, but particularly this one uh, this morning. So no one uh, is part of the church by accident, but we're here by God's call. Therefore, each of us has a part to play in the outworking of what God is saying and what he is doing, okay? And there's a really simple invitation from Jesus uh, that when responded to, defines everything in our lives and who we are as a church. Uh, It affects our hearts, our thinking, our desires, our motives, our decisions, our finances, our relationships, our focus, and the purpose that we're living for. Again, as I say, both personally in our lives, but also together as a people. And so we're going to jump straight into a verse called uh, Matthew 4, 19, where Jesus says this, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Four key parts to that verse. The first one is come, an invitation to know him, uh, to be born again, maybe, but an invitation to know him, to have relationship with him. Second one, he says then, is to follow me. Uh, which is to walk with him, to live in Christ, to live in him. Third one, he says, I'm going to make you. Fishers of men, I'm going to make you. He's going to shape us. He's going to form us. He equips us for the purpose that he has for us. And then fourthly, to be fishers of men, to be fruitful. Now, he gave this invitation to four fishermen on on the, the Sea of Galilee when he called them to follow him and uh, to know Him, to walk with Him, to be shaped by Him, equipped by Him, to then become fruitful in their lives. And, and as we know, as you can kind of see in the background of, uh, behind me, uh, the four key steps of our discipleship pathway that we have as a church, which is in line with this verse, which is to know God, to live in freedom, to discover your purpose and then to make a difference. Now, God speaks that to each of us individually in our lives, okay, that he's called us to know him. He's called us to live in that freedom, to discover who we are in him and the purpose that he has so that we can be fruitful, so that we can make a difference. And as well as that individually in our lives, he's also calling us as a body to live that out together so that we are who he's called us to be in the day and the hour that we are living in. Now, God has been speaking Uh, the last part of 2023, and then into the beginning of this year in 2024, he's been, one of the things he's been saying is increase, increase, increase. And we only see the promises of God and the prophetic words of God outworked when we firstly believe them, secondly, say yes to them, and thirdly, then respond to them in what that means for our lives. And, and I believe in, in relation to that increase, in relation to us responding to Him, I believe there's five things that God is saying to us for this year that He wants us to live in and walk in uh, individually, but also together as a church. Five key aspects to what He's saying to us that He's going to be building upon from, from last year. And these five things which we're going to unpack this morning are these. Firstly, number one, Jesus is Lord, okay, his reign in our lives. Secondly, the need to depend on the Holy Spirit. So that's his leading in our lives. Thirdly, the power of prayer, okay, which means his purposes being outworked. Fourth is us being a covenant community, okay, which is his love amongst us being expressed to one another but then also through our lives together. And then fifthly, the true gospel, his life being shared not just amongst us but beyond us, through us, into people's lives around us, okay. So we want to unpack those five key aspects that I believe God is Uh, God wants us to work out through this year. Okay, now we're gonna keep them quite short. Again, these are not teachings on these areas. We're gonna unpack all of these as we go through the year and what this means in different ways. Obviously, we've got three weeks of prayer and fasting that is beginning today. And during these next three weeks in different ways, through encounter nights and prayer meetings through uh, the book that, that uh, James written, He Reigns, as we unpack that each day, God's going to be speaking to us, working in our hearts and lives. As we focus uh, very much around the prayer and fasting and going into February and March as well, prayer very much being central. What does that mean for us personally in our own lives to develop uh, 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 a history of prayer, a relationship with God? What does that look like? to develop that, but also corporately, what does it look like to be a people of prayer in a a stronger way, in a fresh way, in a more effective way in relation to what God is saying to us as kingdom faith. So the first one of those is is this, Jesus is Lord. And uh, that's really all about His reign in our lives. Now, those three words, Jesus is Lord, this really sums up the Christian life. Everything that we believe flows from these three words. Okay. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says this: if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Verse 10: For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, that you are forgiven, you are saved. You are brought into a new life, new relationship with him. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Three words, very powerful, pivotal, okay, for the Christian faith. Now, these words are not just, it's not just a theological statement, okay. These three words are a cry from our heart, a cry of joy, Jesus, you are Lord, It's a cry of worship, Jesus, you are Lord. But it's from the heart that this comes, from a Christian, from a believer, but also from a community of people who are passionate about Jesus, who have been captivated by His majesty and captivated by His love in our lives, that we cry, that we declare, Jesus, you are Lord. As well as this being a passionate cry that we believe that He is Lord, it's also a war cry, a declaration over our lives uh, that there's no one else, there's nothing else. There's no idol, there's no ambition, there's no one that will ever take that place as Him being Lord. No one or nothing will ever dethrone Jesus uh, from His glorious rule in our lives and over all creation. Now, we know there's a huge attack on the Lordship of Jesus, the authority of who he is and his word. And and part of our declaration, part of our battle cry, part part of our fundamental belief that sets everything else in place is Jesus is Lord. It's a declaration also of surrender. That when we say Jesus is Lord, it's a declaration of surrender saying, I submit my will to yours. I surrender my life to you and I surrender my will and my life to you to serve you, to serve your purposes here on earth. When the Lordship of Jesus is settled as a question in a person's life, in a Christian's life, then all other issues are settled. That's a huge statement to make. But when Jesus is Lord, He's on the throne and He's ruling and reigning the lot. then everything else that comes our way then has to come under that rule and that reign of Jesus. Everything else has to come into line with it, no matter what it is, whether things are going on internally in us or things externally coming at us. When He is Lord, it helps us to put everything else in its place in our lives. It is stating that Jesus also has the claim on every part of us without limits, that there's no no no-go areas. When Jesus is Lord, it also sorts out that we don't live an optional Christianity that is selective in preferences of what we believe and what we don't believe, uh, what we live and what we don't live. When Jesus is Lord, we submit ourselves to his authority, his lordship, his word, his thinking, his way, his will. So we don't, it helps us not to live an optional Christianity. What do I like and what don't I like? Jesus sets the tone, sets the pace, sets the road for our life that we then walk in. It, it also helps us to uh, not get into a, it's not, cultural Christianity either, where we're allowing the world to shape who we are, the world's culture to shape who we are. No, instead, we're we're shaped and determined by his lordship in our lives. So that's number one. Um, Jesus is Lord, that we set our lives, we set our hearts, we set our minds personally, but also together as a people. He is in Charge. Okay, secondly, under His Lordship, okay, second key aspect of how we want to live in 2024 is that we depend on the Holy Spirit. We depend on His leading. We allow Him to lead us in our own lives. That, that means we submit our lives, our thinking and everything to Him. But we also, as a church, as Kingdom Faith, we are submitting to Him. Uh, A.W. Tozer, who was a, a theologian, a pastor, an author, he said this, the church was never intended to be a natural and intellectual organization, but a supernatural instrumentality dependent on the power of God. What does that mean? It means that we're not led by the natural. We're not led by intellectualism. We're not an organization but we are a supernatural people, okay? Instrumentality, which means, it means it's the means by which the people of God are the means by which God's power can be released on earth, okay, from heaven. Being dependent on the Holy Spirit is, means the Holy Spirit's presence and power being the mark of who we are. It was certainly the presence and power of the mark of the first, the early church, 2,000 years ago. And it's the same today in how the God wants to work out His purposes, that we're dependent on the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in Luke 4, tw- uh, 24, verse 49. Jesus said, I'm going to send you to, to, the, to the disciples. He said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus knew that the the disciples, the early church, were not going to be able to fulfill the call and commission that he was giving them without the life and power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the same today. Now, in one sense, we know this, we know this here, but what God is speaking to us about is a fresh dependency and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in in every way. Our trust and power is not in our knowledge. It's not in our experience. It's not in the way that we do anything or we do something. A life out there, the world out there, cannot be changed by our knowledge by our experience and the way we do things. A life and the world out there can only really be transformed by the life and the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in someone, in a people then and through a people into people's lives. He, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of love. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of power, the spirit of faith in us, etc., that enables the life of Christ to be at work in us and then through us. So, as well as Jesus being Lord, under his lordship, we want to surrender afresh to th- and be dependent on the Holy Spirit in our lives. Paul writes this, Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5 and so it is with me brothers and sisters when i came to you i did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as i proclaimed to you the testimony about god for i resolved to know nothing while i was with you except jesus christ and him crucified i came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling he just shows that paul was was it was somebody just like you and i who had natural fears trembled he 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 you know, and he knew I've got to trust in God. I've got to put my trust in God, in the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest in human wisdom, but on God's power. When, when, God's, when God puts his purposes before us, like the Great Commission, he gives us commands to live by He knows that we can't live them in our own strength, by our own wisdom, by our own experience. We can try, but but it it causes frustration in us. Uh, It doesn't produce the fruit. It's not effective in the way that that God wants us uh, to to be. And so Paul, the apostle, understood that. And so he writes in that way, hey guys, I don't come with great eloquence. I don't come with human wisdom. I don't come in my own power and, and everything. But I come humbly, I come in weakness. Uh, I don't don't boast about who I am, but I come in weakness, trusting in the Holy Spirit's power to be who God's called me to be, but then to be anything for you as a people. I come humbly and in the Spirit's power. And that's how God wants us to live our lives. We are aware of our weakness. I certainly am aware of my own weaknesses and don't wanna depend on anything else except the Holy Spirit in 2024. And so to depend on the Holy Spirit is to yield daily, is to surrender daily. It's a moment by moment walk with him. It's not just a one-time decision at the end of the year because we know all kinds of things come at us every day. And and a relationship with Jesus is a moment by moment walk. And therefore we moment by moment say, Holy Spirit, I wanna depend on you today. I've got things coming up, I don't know how to handle, I don't know how to be, what to do. And so, Holy Spirit, I want to trust you. I want to depend on you in every way in my life this year. So the first part this morning is Jesus is Lord. The second part is depend on the Holy Spirit. And then the third aspect we're going to look at is the power of prayer. That's God's purposes being outworked in our lives personally, but then through his people on earth as it is in heaven. There's a, a, a theologian during the Second World War called Karl Barth, who's a German theologian. And he said this, I love this. He said, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Wow, what a statement. To make that in the midst of Nazi Germany, a guy that was standing and contending for the Word of God and the purposes of God in the midst of of, um, an awful situation. And he understood along with many others through history and many others in our day, and hopefully us as a people believe this, that any move of God in an individual or a church is conceived and birthed in prayer. Prayer is the engine room of of a believer. It's an engine room of any church. And and there's, there's two key parts to prayer, okay? First is the personal side, okay? Now, what does that mean? Personal prayer is the essence of yours and my relationship with God. So personally, prayer is the essence of our relationship with God. The second part of prayer is the corporate aspect of prayer. And the corporate purpose of prayer is to release the purposes of God, is to pray into and release the purposes of God on earth as they are in heaven. Now, those two things are so important that they work together, the personal side of prayer and the corporate side of prayer, because the health of any church is determined by the health of the individuals within that church. And so we want to, we want to, develop that engine room of prayer in our own personal life, that relationship with God. And and in an engine, the oil of that engine is so important. Without oil, an engine is going to seize. But with the right oil uh, functioning and and going all around that engine, that engine can operate in the right way, in the right temperature, to, to bring movement to what that engine is within, whether it's a car or a uh, whatever it is it, 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 it's in. And so when we pray, what we're keeping, we're keeping the oil of the Spirit in our lives, that, that right temperature, that right viscosity, so that the oil of the anointing of the relationship we have with God flows in us and around our lives so that we can know Him more deeply, know Him more intimately, know Him more personally. Hear His voice in our lives, what He's saying to Him. And as we cultivate that personal relationship with Him, responding to his invitation of intimacy, then that helps and enables us to live healthy spiritually and it helps to keep other things at bay in our lives that would want to try and steal, kill and destroy us, okay? Now that then feeds in to the corporate aspect of who we are as a people, who a church is, okay? And the corporate purpose of prayer is then to pray into the purposes of God, to intercede, to to stand in the gap, to release the purposes of God, to stand there in agreement, in unity together as a people. So let's just have a quick look at a few verses here. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. Uh, John says this, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, God's will, then He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then we that whatever we then ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. There's some incredible promises in there that we're going to unpack over the next few weeks as we look at different aspects of prayer, both personally and corporately. But what a promise from God that if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us and then we have what we ask of him. Look at this in Matthew 18 verses 19 and 20. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Wow, what another amazing promise. Where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So some incredible promises here. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So when we pray, we're not coming against people. Okay, prayer is a spiritual activity, both personally and corporately. We're encouraged by scripture that when we pray and we align our will with God, both personally and corporately, we are going to have what we ask for in prayer because we're aligning our wills with God individually and corporately. And when we pray in that name, in the spirit, in his name, in his authority, understanding that it's a spiritual battle that we're in, okay, that we're going to overcome the powers of the enemy and all the opposition that would come against us personally and corporately to see breakthroughs, to see release in our own lives. And through who we are as a people, okay, really, really important. Now, something I just want to say at this point, which we're going to unpack more over these next few weeks, the importance of, let's use this phrase, covenant prayer together, that we're in covenant. What does that mean? And and there's some things in Matthew 18 that are so important that come before the verse I've just read uh, that we're going to unpack as well through these next few weeks. Agreement in prayer doesn't just come from standing in a prayer meeting together and saying, let's agree on this. Agreement in prayer comes because we are in agreement in our lives together, okay? This is really, really important because it feeds into the next point that we're going to look at. It feeds into being a covenant community, okay? But let's just stick with this for a moment. It's so important that Being in agreement, being in covenant relationship with one another is really important. What it means is that we need to make sure we're clean in our hearts, in our our own hearts and lives, in how we're living. We're clean before God, okay? But we're also clean with one another, that there there are no offences towards other people. that there's no place for the enemy, there's no angst, there's no division, there's nothing that could bring kind of separation, that we're not giving the enemy any room to get a hook in our lives. And and agreement is, is more than just saying, yeah, I'll agree with you in prayer, in a meeting. It's about agreement in our lives. And this is going to be so, so important going forward because the enemy looks for little places that hooks he can get into to bring discord, to bring division and to try and water down the effectiveness of prayer in our own lives, okay? And before we were praying, uh, and we're going to unpack that more, okay, over the next few, few weeks. But when we were praying before Christmas as a leadership team, uh, we had an amazing time uh, one Monday morning just praying, and interceding. It was a powerful time. And... Um, one of the leaders in the room w- was on their knees really crying out and praying. We all were, but they were just praying out something. And and what came out, um, I can't remember everything that was said, but what came out in their prayer was was God. We want to be a people of sacrifice who fall to our knees to be a people who sacrifice in prayer to be persistent in prayer, overcoming all the resistance of the enemy, to see breakthroughs in our own personal lives, but breakthroughs through our lives corporately in our towns and in our communities and in our region and nation. And and it was like this, um, are are we going to be prepared to pay a price on our knees, kingdom faith, to come to our knees in a fresh way of surrender and under his lordship to pray in such a way that sees breakthroughs that sees release in and through our lives and and it was it was like a it, it in the room at the in that moment it was like god yes i i i i want to say yes to you but i know i can only say yes and your Holy Spirit enables that kind of prayer to take place. And so hopefully this morning you, you, you're gonna be one that says, Yes, God, I wanna I wanna say yes to you in terms of prayer. Now that feeds into the fourth part we just want to look at for a few moments, which I, I've just put out, named it this that God wants us to live this year as a covenant community, okay? And and what does that mean? It means his love is right at the heart of who we are. Now, I know that's already being expressed in different ways amongst who we are as a people. And uh, and just to unpack a couple of things for a few moments. So the word covenant, what, what does that mean? Because some people say covenant, what, what is that? And covenant really is um, a binding agreement. A covenant is agreement between God and His people. God's part of that covenant is this, biblically, okay? This is what covenant means for God, from God's point of view. I will never, never leave you. I will never, never forsake you. When you read that in the Bible, uh, the Hebrew of the word never there is, has a double meaning, a double emphasis. He doesn't just say, I will never leave you. He says, I will never, never leave you. I will never, never Forsake you. It's like the second part is like in capital letters to say to us, I I will never turn from you. I will never leave you, forsake you. It's like, it's like that. It's really powerful. And and there's there's four elements to covenant, okay? There's the first one is the promise that God gives, the terms of that promise. There's always blood involved in covenant, and then there's a seal to that covenant, okay? So the promise is always, what has God said? What is God promising in this covenant in terms of what He's saying? Then there's the terms, if you like, the conditions. What what does that mean? It, It means the actions, the working out of that covenant, okay? And for us, that means what is our part of that covenant? There's God saying, this is what I'm saying and what I'm gonna do. And then the terms of it are also then, this is your part of that. This is what you're to do in relation to that. But then in a covenant, there's always blood. Now, in the Old Testament, there's always there was always an animal of some sort that was the, the blood was shed to, to, to make that to form that covenant agreement. OK, now for us, this side of, of, of the cross, the new covenant is Jesus. It's his blood that is the blood of a new covenant. OK, that, that God is that God has made with us. So we don't have to shed our blood. Jesus has done that for us. OK, and and the seal for us now, and, and we read, read that in Ephesians in the, in the autumn, we we're going through in, in, in chapter 1, the seal is, is the Holy Spirit, okay? He seals the work of Jesus and the work of the blood in our lives, okay? So Jesus' blood is the blood shed for God's covenant with us now, post-cross, I hope this is making sense. And the Holy Spirit in us seals all the work that Jesus does in us so that we can live in the covenant promises of God, right? Now, so God, God makes agreement with us, covenant with us. He sent Jesus to the cross to make it possible to us to have a covenant relationship with him. And that has been fulfilled in his blood and sealed by his Holy Spirit. Okay, hopefully you understand what I've just said. But to be a covenant community, right? then the, the, the heart, the word at the heart of that word community is koinonia, okay? Now, that means the sharing of life. It means all that we are and all that we have lived out and expressed with one another towards one another. And it means living out God's purposes together, Koinonia means we belong to one another. It means that we've been adopted into a family of belonging, into a family where we share everything together with one another. Wow, it's amazing. And, and to be a covenant community means this. God says, I make covenant with you as a believer, but also as a people I will never, ever leave you, never, ever forsake you. I'm amongst you. I will keep my promises and I will enable you by the blood of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. When you surrender and yield to me in your lives to live in covenant relationship with one another to enable you to say to one another, hey, I'm going to be here with you I will never leave you and I will never forsake you I'm here to encourage you support you strengthen you walk with you whether you're going through the highs in your life or in the lows in your life I'm gonna give myself to you and walk with you no matter what it takes and how many of you know that you've been through some great times and others have struggled and you've been able to help pick them up but there's been others Maybe, or maybe in your own life where you've been through struggle and a time where you're not sure whether up is down or down is up or, or what is going on, but others have come alongside and said, hey, I'm not going to judge you, not going to criticize I'm not going to condemn you, but I'm going to walk with you through this and to help you come out the other side so that you can know God in the way that He wants you to know Him in a fresh way. That's koinonia, okay, the sharing of life. It has a lot of practical applications uh, other applications as well where somebody's in need, I'm going to help you, support you, all of that stuff, okay? And we see that expressed in Acts chapter 2 where they shared everything in common. They were in each other's homes. They broke bread daily. No one was in need. Miracles were happening. People were coming to Christ daily, getting added to their number. This, this is the essence of covenant community. Now, that what does that look like? you know in our lives we know that sounds great it sounds lovely but what does that look like well it's expressed in the large okay in a con- across the church in a congregation but it also has to be expressed in in smaller settings uh, in in other ways because we we don't all know each other across a congregation in the, the depths and the way you know if you've got a few hundred people in a congregation for example it's difficult to know everybody in this way so Coinonia is also expressed in a smaller setting. Now, in in Worthing and Burgess Hill, part of that expression is through church in the home, through home hubs, if you like, uh, that that do gather on every other Sunday morning. There's an expression of that in a smaller context, and and it's not just on a Sunday, but that's that we're seeking to live that out every day of the week, okay? But some of that expression happens in, in a home hub and through that context. In Horsham and Crawley, uh, there might not be church in the home, as it were, on a Sunday morning, but there's still an expression in, in a smaller context, okay, where we want to express community. We want to express... Um, uh, across the life of the church, a missional lifestyle, okay? Wh- whichever congregation, whether it's a home hub or in a smaller setting uh, in, in, in Horsham and Crawley, um, right at the heart of this, this covenant community of believers is a missional life, a mission and expression, okay? And it, and it really links with the Great Commission, go and make disciples. And so this covenant community has got to be expressed in some way in a smaller setting. And so we want to develop home hubs um, in, in, Berth- in, in Worthing and, and Burgess Hill, increased through this year. But also we want to express much more of a, uh, an expression in other smaller settings throughout the week in both Crawley and Horsham. And we're going to unpack more of what that looks like in each congregation, okay, in more relevant ways in each congregation, rather than me trying to explain all of that now, okay? But if we understand that we're a body, nobody's here by accident, we all have a part to play. Jesus is Lord, we're dependent on the Holy Spirit. The power of prayer, individually and corporately, is so important and corporately doesn't just mean in the bigness of when we come together, It also is expressed in smaller settings when we come together. That this is all expressed through a covenant community of people that are saying, I want to lay my life down for you. I want to encourage you and strengthen. I want to be there for you and what covenant means. And what it also means in Ephesians 4, 11 through to 16. I'm only going to read a couple of verses out of this, but all of the verses will come up. There's five fold giftings that are there apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher to help train and equip. But the emphasis is really on the body, the body of Christ, you and I, to be built up until we reach the unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow up to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Ephesians 2 verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us, to do at the heart of any smaller context in the life of the church is disciple making disciples. And we we want to unpack that and move more and more into that over the next few months as a church and what that means. And this might be a challenge for different ones of us because I've, I alluded a bit earlier to, I used the phrase, optional Christianity, Um, there are a lot of things that we choose, preferences in our lives. And to move forward, not just in our church, but I believe the church, in a lot of churches, to move forward, we need to submit and surrender ourselves afresh to His Lordship and what that then means relationally in the life of the body we now belong to one another. And actually that does mean scripturally that we have a responsibility towards one another. And so there might be some challenges as well as all the encouragement going forward as to what it means to be the body in a smaller setting, to really give our lives to one another in community, but also with a missional purpose and outworking. So we're gonna unpack that more Uh, during this year. Then that feeds into the fifth part this morning uh, and for this year, the true gospel. What does that mean? His life amongst us. Again, just want to use a quick phrase, Count Zinzendorf, he was the leader of the Moravian Church in the 1700s in Germany. That group of people started a continual hundred year prayer meeting. It led to many people going to many nations, taking the gospel. Uh, on mission uh, over a long period of time, incredible. But he said this, I have but one passion, it is he and he alone. The world is the field and the field is the world. And henceforth that country shall be my home where I can be most used to winning souls for Christ. Wow, what a thing to say that the whole world is my field and the field is the whole world. Now, doesn't mean that each of us have got to go to the whole world, right? But God wants to go to us to go to the world that is around us. And we do that individually, but we also do that together. And so I believe that God wants to encourage us, okay, in three ways to do with that this year. What is the gospel? Acts chapter 4, verse 12. The gospel fundamentally is this salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven to mankind by which we must be saved. God wants us to have a deep conviction in our hearts and lives that that is the gospel. It's found in no one else, okay, firstly. Secondly, he wants us to have confidence in proclaiming the gospel. Acts 4, 29 to 30 says this, the early church under a lot of pressure, being persecuted, okay? They were being locked up for their faith and all sorts of things were happening. This is what they prayed, having been to Peter and John, having been released from prison, said this, Now, Lord, as they prayed together, uh, not just them two, but the, uh, the body of believers, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Now, they'd already been doing that. But in the face of opposition, they said, God, we're not going to back down. We're not going to back off, but actually give us great boldness now, not just boldness, but great boldness. Stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders through your name and through your holy servant, Jesus. They were like, we ain't backing off, even though everything in the culture, even though everything around them said back off. They said, we're not. We want to proclaim the gospel. OK, so what is the gospel? A deep conviction that Jesus is salvation, that no other name under heaven can be saved except through Him. Secondly, a confidence and boldness to preach the gospel, to share who He is. And thirdly, talk in Jesus. What does that mean? Personalizing the Great Commission, your story. We all have a story and God wants us to share that story with others around us in 2024. OK, so just in summary, Five things for this year. Jesus is Lord. Depend on the Holy Spirit, the power of prayer, covenant community, the true gospel. I'm just going to take a few moments uh, in a, in a few moments just to to pray, and just respond this morning. We're right at the beginning of our prayer and fasting for 2024. Isaiah 58 verse 6, 7 and 8 really describes aptly the purpose and the power of fasting. Verse 6, to loose the bonds of wickedness and injustice, to undo heavy burdens, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke of oppression. Is it not to share your food with the hungry that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you seek the naked, that you cover them and not hide them from your own flesh or from your own family. The outworking or the promise connected with that is then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall break be- break out before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. There's some amazing promises in there. But I just want to encourage you as we come, as we start to pray and fast today, to surrender afresh to His Lordship, to say, Father, I want to depend on Your Spirit, I want to depend on You, Holy Spirit. I want You to lead me, teach me how to pray in a fresh way so that I move increasingly in the power and the authority of prayer, personally and as part of the body. Father, I want to yield afresh as part of the covenant community that you brought me into in Kingdom Faith. I want to play my part in the body and I want to live in the power of the true gospel as I share it with others but I want to live in the power of that gospel in my own life, in the days that we're living in. Let's just take take a moment just to respond to him. Father, I just yield to you afresh as my Lord, not just as my Saviour, but as my Lord. Father, over these next few weeks of prayer and fasting, I want you to take me through a fresh process of yielding to your Lordship so that in every area in my life, you are Lord. Holy Spirit, take me on a journey in these next few weeks. Show me how to depend on you, to trust on you in a fresh way so that you can lead me in the way you want to lead me. Teach me how to pray. Take me beyond what I've known and what I've experienced in prayer. I yield afresh to you, to your voice your leading in prayer, personally and corporately. Father, I thank you you brought me into this kingdom community, this covenant community of kingdom faith. I thank you for all that I receive, but also thank you for all that I can give and sow into the life of who we are. Over these next few weeks and months, Father, show me how I can really invest into this kingdom community in the way that you want me to. And lastly, Father, I thank you for the gospel that has saved me, has brought me out of darkness into light, from death into life. And I want to seek to live in the true gospel of who you are, in the truth of who you are going forward, so that my life is fully aligned with you in the way that you want me to live in my life, for those of you who are married, in my marriage, if you've got kids, in my family. And so Father, I thank you for all that you're doing in me, all that you're going to do in me, all that you're doing amongst us and that you're going to do amongst us in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we give you 2024. Would you lead us by your spirit in all that you want to do and activate in and through our lives together in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Um, There's a a little prayer leaflet for the 21 days of prayer and fasting for each congregation uh, that's, that's relevant for each one in terms of what that's going to look like in each congregation. Uh, if you haven't got your copy of He Reigns, uh, you can grab that this morning. If, uh, in terms of paying for a copy, that's a challenge for you, please don't let that be a barrier. Please just uh, go to your congregation leaders uh, this morning and say, oh, I don't have the wherewithal uh, and, and we'll give you a copy, okay? Uh, so that you can use that every day through the 21 days. Uh, encourage you to get into prayer triplets with uh, a couple of others. And, and meet together, pray for, for each other, uh, strengthen each other during these days. There are lunchtime prayer meetings uh, in Horsham at Foundry Lane from 1 to one forty-five each day. You're more than welcome to join us, uh, join together as we come and pray. that the, the staff team, we're meeting every day to pray weekday, to pray and please come and join us as we pray together and worship together during those times. Um, Encounter evenings on Tuesday evenings are, are here in Horsham in Foundry Lane. On Wednesday nights, each congregation has local encounter and prayer taking place in the evenings where you are. Friday evenings are feasting evenings. That might sound a bit funny in the context of uh, fasting, but I really believe that we want to build community. And in those times of feasting, when you have a meal together uh, in your homes, invite others around uh, in your homes, whatever that context might look like, but really make the most of that time, break bread together as part of that meal, okay? Pray for one another, encourage each other, prophesy over each other, build each other up in our most holy faith, okay? So use that time as, as uh, for fellowship, for eating together, breaking bread together, okay? And then I just want to encourage you um, in whatever you're fasting, you might be doing one meal a day, two meals a day, I want to encourage you, take at least one day a week and fast for a day. Uh, and maybe I might encourage you to do Tuesday or Wednesday, partly because we're meeting together on Tuesday and e- Wednesday evenings, whether all together here on Tuesday or in your local congregation on a Wednesday. Maybe would encourage you just to at least fast for one day. And, and maybe if you've never done that, just help just stretch you spiritually, okay, in terms of what God wants to do in your life. So we thank you, Father, for all that you do in 2024, all that you're going to do amongst us. And we give you glory and honour right at the start of this year, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great 2024. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.